Greetings, fellow Bitcoiners. You've just entered the Orange Pill Academy, where we help elevate you into an eloquent and compelling ambassador for the bright orange future. Today, I'm joined by Alec Bakush, whose job it is to talk to dozens of people every single week about what Bitcoin is and how it can help them reach their most important goals. In this episode, we explore a new framework for understanding the orange pilling process. We discuss some powerful analogies for framing how the current monetary system is broken. And we share reliable ways to handle the most common objections to Bitcoin. Thank you for being here. Now listen up, class is in session. Hello, Alec. Welcome to the Orange Pill Academy. Thank you so much for having me on. Excited yeah. to talk about orange pilling. Yeah, you're guest number one on this first set of podcast discussions. Would love to have you tell the listeners a little bit about your background. Um, and then we'll get into what we're trying to accomplish here and then have a conversation. Who is Alec Bakush and what are you doing here on Orange Pill Academy? Yeah, and I'm just a normal, regular guy. I guess you could label me as a sales guy. Currently, I work for Swan Bitcoin. So obviously, I have a strong passion for Bitcoin education and driving adoption. I would say sales is really the only profession I've I've had, I've had a couple other one-off jobs before, but for the past decade, just working business to consumer sales, business to business, whether it's products, software services most recently, and just kept finding myself thinking about Bitcoin constantly while at my day job. So I figured I should probably look at getting into the Bitcoin industry that way. I'm not wasting company time over there thinking about Bitcoin and I can focus my energy, right? So <laughs> get paid more to relentlessly think about Bitcoin. Exactly. Always wanted to share my thoughts, have people to speak to. Coworkers thought I was weird and crazy. So I actually fit in where I'm at now. So I love that. Alec, you and I had the pleasure of meeting at Pacific Bitcoin. And one of the things that intrigued me was how experienced you are at just talking to people, putting them at ease, communicating these complicated things. Like you said, that's what you do for a living right now. The goal with Orange Pill Academy is to help more and more people do that. I like to think of it as uh, helping Bitcoiners create more Bitcoiners. And as you've probably experienced either yourself or just with other Bitcoiner friends or just seen on Bitcoin Twitter, there is a certain archetype, if you will, of Someone who's taken the orange pill and sees the world through a new lens, through a Bitcoin lens, and is very excited about that world and very passionate about that world. They're excited yeah. about the improvements in general living society, living standards that a sound money has the potential to bring. And they also tend to be very, let's just say, very upset about the current system under which we live in terms of a broken money system, uh, fractional reserve banking, fiat, and all of the various and sundry ways that broken money is detrimental to society and to the lives of individuals. And like anyone who I think is really passionate about a topic, especially one that has the potential to change the lives of so many people for the better, 
they get very enthusiastic and they want to share it. They want to tell other people. And I have certainly done this myself. <laughs> I'm an adventure guest to say that you may have done it once or twice early on as well, but you can, you can jump into conversations a little over-enthusiastically and end up coming off as the crazy conspiracy theorist guy talking about all the different ways that the government's trying to poison us and Bitcoin is going <laughs> to lead to a new renaissance. And so I want to talk with people like you to figure out what's working. How are those conversations more effective? What are some of the tools of effective communication, of persuasion, of just getting to know people, putting them at ease and explaining the, this, frankly, the difficult concepts that come with the monetary system and what Bitcoin provides. So that's the goal. I'm really grateful that you're starting it out with me here and we're going to walk this path together. My first question, if we're talking about orange pilling people, let's get our terms straight. What does it mean to orange pill someone? If you think about a pre-coiner versus someone who's been orange pilled, what about them has changed? Yeah, first of all, just to apologize to my fiance, she was probably the first one that I was spewing all this Bitcoin stuff at. She took the brunt of it, but yeah, it took me a little while to learn how to properly approach it. But yeah, orange pilling to me is in a basic term is simply trying to help someone understand Bitcoin. And there's a million different angles to approach Bitcoin. There's different rabbit holes you can go down. And everyone's going to see Bitcoin in a slightly different way. And I think that's what makes it so difficult. Taking someone from no coiner, pre-coiner to fully orange-pilled is going to look a lot of different ways as well. There's generally different phases people go through. But from a simple sense, it's someone going from, oh, generally everyone's heard about Bitcoin at this point, right? Most people don't care yet. And that's why we're here, right? So orange pilling is getting someone to first have a care to understand or learn more. And from there, it's really guiding them through what's going to matter to them that they're going to spend the time and energy to learn more. And that's where we see some of the issues. If you're just spewing things left and right, they're like, oh my gosh, this is too much. I'm not going to spend time on this now. So I think that's right. the underlying issue. And yeah, the general idea behind orange pilling is just guiding someone down that rabbit hole in the most effective way possible. You said two things that I really liked. One was getting them interested in it. And the other one was showing how it's relevant to them. Those are typically two sides of the same coin. But I think orange pilling to me, there's a an old saying in the education world that education is not the filling of a bucket, but the lighting of a fire. And I think someone that's taken the orange pill, like that passion, where that we hear a lot of Bitcoiners say, and then suddenly it all clicked and I started seeing the world mm -hmm. in a different way. So if I yeah. think about the end goal of orange pilling someone, again, just to clarify our terms here, it really is about getting that switch to flip where they suddenly start to see the world through a new lens. That can happen all at once. It can happen slowly. But I think until somebody has, has clicked and found that passion and, and, and really reckoned with, oh my God, this really does affect everything. This really could actually change the world. That to me is the essence of what someone means when they say 
they've been orange pilled, but that doesn't happen overnight. So I think that's one of my first concerns with people that go that want to enthusiastically go out and talk about Bitcoin is I, I feel like there's this tacit assumption of like, all right, I've been wanting to talk with Dave about this for, for forever. And now we're at this party and I've got 20 minutes. Let me see if I can convince him that Bitcoin's going to change the world in 20 minutes. And it, and it becomes this sort of barrage of information. And then Dave just gets freaked out mostly and then leaves and never wants to hear about Bitcoin again. So let's talk a little bit more about the larger arc of orange pilling. Everybody walks their own path and relates to it in different ways that are unique to them. But to the degree that you've seen patterns in the people that you've spoken with about this and the journeys that you've unfolded, what does that journey look like? How long does it tend to take? What are some of the key phases that you've seen? Just anything you want to talk about there. Yeah. Uh, again, it, it can be so individualized. The arc can be very short and fast, gradually then suddenly, right? Or it can take uh, quite a few years like it did for myself. There's the Bitcoin curious phase, like you, you've you heard it in the news, your friend talking about it, posting about it over Thanksgiving dinner, price hitting all time highs is all over the place. And there's discussions happening ev everywhere, right? So those are the most opportune times to start having these discussions. But it starts with that initial curiosity, right? It's this new thing. Most humans in general are curious, right? But as long as the complexity doesn't seem, you know, there's a barrier where it's like, can I dive into this and understand it? Or is it just outside of my realm? So that's really where we have to come in to, to help and guide people. So if you have that person that has that initial curiosity, that's where the handholding can come in and you can guide them through, hey, I, I generally go about asking questions, understand what they understand, but yeah, just guiding them through going from curious to maybe, hey, let's get you to buy some Bitcoin. Mm. So once they've gone from that period to actually purchasing Bitcoin, that that whole phase from that can go a million different directions as well. Messing with different cryptos and degenerate gambling, NFTs, all that crap, right? It goes from curious to putting their hands on the thing. And then I think that's where the real investment comes into play when you've actually put money behind this value and time is when you're actually willing to expend additional energy to learn what the heck you just put your money into. Yeah. Right. So I think that's a valuable step is getting someone, getting their hands on some Bitcoin, whether you're gifting it to them, you're walking them through buying on an exchange of some sort. I think that's a great tilting point. Maybe it won't have people dive in super quick from there, but we have these four-year cycles in Bitcoin that do a fantastic job of this yeah. as well. Those hype cycles bring a lot of interest. If we're able to get some Bitcoin in people's hands during a bear market, and then they see that they just four or five X, whatever the amount of value that they'd purchased, that really lights that fire and flips that switch. Oh, I need to look more into this from that point. So I think that's how I look at the arc. Again, it can be very different for a lot of different people. So maybe we can dive into that a bit, kind of some of the different ways people approach Bitcoin. Yeah, I think I agree with everything that you said there. 
I orange pilled one of my business partners with an open dime, the way that you just said. <laughs> nice. I, I gave it to him with 50 bucks on it. And then I just waited for three years. <laughs> and then I said, hey, do you still have that open dime? He checked and he goes, holy cow, there's 500 bucks here. So that was like the lazy man's way to orange pill. But I think there are, nothing grabs attention like skin in the game. So I definitely agree with you. Even if you can get them to just put five or 10 bucks on, on a mobile wallet, that suddenly it's something for them to keep track of. It's just like mm -hmm. a kid find, buying his first stock or something like that. So before we dive in, I definitely want to get into the different on-ramps, if you will, to making Bitcoin relevant for people. But first, I want to get your feedback on a sort of sales cycle, if you will, or a set of stages that I see people go through or that I think are relevant for the orange pilling process. So if we were to break this down into stages on the way, I would say the first is what I would call planting seeds. And so if I'm talking about it from the standpoint of a Bitcoiner trying to orange pill someone else, this is just like making short, small comments here and there or posts on social media to signal your interest and expertise, and you become like the Bitcoin person in their mind. And then there's, this, there's if you think about within an individual conversation, then there's establishing rapport. This has nothing to do with Bitcoin. This is just sharing information about yourself, finding common interests, and like tacitly establishing the fact that I'm not a psycho. I'm not going to try and scam you. I'm not crazy. I'm a regular Joe, just like you. Yep. And then there's, a, then there's a set of, which I think is what we're going to get into in a minute, is asking questions. Again, not really having anything to do with Bitcoin, like just learning about their pains, what's working for them, what are their, this is about interests as it might relate to Bitcoin, but as it might relate to the problems that Bitcoin tends to solve, right? And so this is you understanding where that on-ramp might be for them. And so just to stop at this point, like this is what makes the conversation about it land and, and be effective, right? If you're not doing these yeah. things up front, if you're not establishing that rapport, if you're not asking questions about what's important to them, you're just throwing darts in, in a dark room. And then I think there are a set of like little arenas, if you will, within the conversation that happen not necessarily in a linear fashion, but there's like telling stories. So providing scenarios in which they can project themselves about how this has solved a problem that they have in the past or someone else that's doing it who's similar to them, cautionary tales about like Web3 crypto tokens and stuff. <laughs> then there's explaining concepts. What is the blockchain I hear about? How does that work? What's the happening? Breaking those things down into simple ways. Then there's handling objections. I heard it's just used by terrorists for funding crime and stuff. <laughs> okay. And then I think the last two kind of stages, the last stage of the conversation, as any good salesperson would know, is providing a next step, some way to take action. And this is what you were getting. Buy a little bit of Bitcoin. Here, I'll send you some Bitcoin. How do I do that? It's simple. Just let's go download a, a wallet really quick and I'll send you five bucks, right? It's yeah. almost like a party trick. And then I think there's this extended stage that they go through themselves, which is the do your own research. You know, once, once there's intrigue, they've got some skin in the game, 
Then they start hitting the podcasts and they start hitting the YouTube videos and they start reading some books and reading the blogs and gradually then suddenly. And I feel like if we're trying to pace ourselves as people that are orange pilling, you want to get them to that part. You don't need to convince them that Bitcoin's going to save the world. You need to convince them that like, this is something that's probably worth looking into. And there's a lot of stuff out there. And then there's off to the races and you can still be the Bitcoin guy that they can come to when they have questions. And like, why is Elon interested in Dogecoin? <laughs> okay, let's talk about that. I'm glad you yeah. raised that question. Sorry, that was a very extended description. But what's your take on those key stages? Have you seen them show up? Is there anything that I'm missing? Is there a different way that you would phrase some of that? No, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'd say maybe one additional piece I would add is looking at it from a sales standpoint is what's my like total addressable market and what piece of that is the piece of the market that I want to go after that I'm going to have the the highest conversion rate with. I can provide the most value too. When you're looking at it super broad, my entire total addressable market, I can plant seeds to that entire market via my social media, right? So I love that. That's I aim to be the Bitcoin guy. I started producing content. If you don't want to make stuff, that's fine. Get on Twitter and share memes and news stories and stuff on your Instagram and your Facebook. So your grandma and aunt and uncle are going to see it. They're not on Bitcoin Twitter, right? You're so right. simply hitting that share button on Twitter, uh, hit your Instagram story. People bring up conversations with me all the time from stuff really? I share. Okay. So, great way to plant seeds. You don't have to create anything. Obviously, it's better if you do, but simply share. That's the first thing, just spreading that over to window. Sharing things is super important. And then you can look to identify, I probably shouldn't sit down and try to have this Bitcoin discussion with my grandma, right? You'll generally want to wait. Maybe she'll ask you about it. And that's happened to me as well, right? Simply from people asking, oh, what do you do for work? Oh, I'm in Bitcoin. And grandma starts asking me about Bitcoin. So that's planting those seeds as well. But where I've seen the most, my most effective orange pills generally come down to those people that I know already have some type of curiosity, whether they, I see them post something about Bitcoin or crypto, individuals I know that are currently gambling or investing in other cryptocurrencies are the prime target because they're already there. It just takes a little bit of education to, to get them to actually understand why Bitcoin's different and the most important, right? So... I'd say adding segmenting your target market there would be an additional step you could add. But generally from there, yeah, plant seeds, build rapport with the people that come asking you questions. And from there, you can start laying some more of those, I'm going to label it as landmines, probably a bad term for it, but just starting to ask, what do you invest in? That's going to open up a whole conversation. If they're into crypto, great. Like I said, that's a Really easy avenue. Have you understood why Bitcoin's different? Really easy way to get people down the rabbit hole. If they're into gold, also a really easy thing. Most Bitcoiners came from the gold world. Yeah. Pretty crazy. My local meetup is mostly dudes, not just men, but there's ladies as well that are 50 plus years old. And historically, they were gold investors. Yeah. So that's a really great avenue to go as well. And... Yeah, really from there, there's 
so many different angles you can drop questions. You know what Bitcoin mining does to the energy grid. You know how it impacts the climate crisis and you know how it affects humanitarian rights. Instead of just spewing these things at people, you can try to aim to, to understand their interests and build that rapport. If you can tell they're a super progressive person, start talking about the environment. Hey, have you heard how like Bitcoin mining is actually changing the game here using renewable energy and helping to grow that out, right? It's a much more impactful and engaging conversation when you're, they're bringing upon the conversation than me just throwing at them yeah. <laughs> all these different topics, right? So I think from there, you've nailed it, right? It's going to swerve different directions based on the person, but yeah, they're generally going to follow that same step-by-step -step you label. So let's draw out some specifics then. Let's get a little tactical here because you raised a, a topic that I tend to refer to as a job to be done, <laughs> uh, which is product management speak. And that's one of the things I have to say that really excited me about Bitcoin when I first discovered it is because it started getting people thinking about money from a product management standpoint. They didn't realize that. But you start to think about the use cases of money, which leads to those on-ramps and those personally relevant topics. So I really agreed with what you said around targeting folks that are, I don't like the word targeting. It sounds a little aggressive, but to the degree that we're proselytizers about the bright orange future, right? The people that we're going to have the most success with are, I think, people that are similar to us. Let's say putting relationships aside. Because we're going to have friends and family and grandma and whatnot that we already have a relationship with and some trust. But if you're talking about strangers or casual acquaintances, it's mostly going to be people that are in a similar situation as you, that you can relate to, that you understand their, their needs a little more deeply because they're the same needs that you have. I tend to have a lot of success with people that are parents, that are mid-career and are thinking more practically about, let's say, saving for retirement or providing for their kids' education or how am I going to handle supporting aging parents? Those are the kinds of life situations and conundrums for which they are hiring money in some way to try and solve for them. And so some simple, well-placed questions around like, how's that going for you? Like, how are you saving for your kid's college education? Are you just hoping that they're going to get a scholarship? So like, those are some of the, the jobs to be done for which people are hiring the current monetary system and it is failing them, but they don't realize that there's something else out there. What are some of the other kind of life situations or jobs to be done that you run into most often that are nice entry points for a conversation or for some well-worded questions that get them thinking? Yeah. Generally, like you mentioned, a lot of folks that you're surrounded with will be in similar situations. So my myself, I'm a younger guy. A lot of my friends are looking at buying real estate right now. Have a lot of real estate friends that think they need to own 10 homes and collect rent on it, thinking about retirement. Being able to start those conversations around what like how do you save money? How how are you what kind of investments do you normally deal with? You can look from the political angle as well. A lot of younger folks are 
mad from what they see in the news or they don't believe the news anymore. There's mm. uh, distrust for the government. So going at some of those angles is what alternatives do you see to this existing system that we have? Have you explored any other alternatives? Like then you can lead down the Bitcoin angle. There's quite a few different rabbit holes there. I would say even on top of that, retirement is one that a lot of people my age don't think about because they think it's just a, a pipe dream at this point. But mm. sparking that conversation around retirement is huge. It's something I've thought about. I have aging parents. I have a father that's already retired and just seen like what he's been able to save up through his workforce or his time in the workforce was quite minimal. And I wanted to make sure I set myself up for a much better position. So I love having discussions around retirement with my friends. And that's part of the job I do today at Swan. But yeah, having that retirement discussion, are you, you know, does it, if you're talking about work, does your job do a 401k? Or are you doing that? How's your IRA performing? And then there's really just the general like being in sales as well. Uh, all sales guys are trying to make money. Right. I think mm. that the number go up technology is a really easy angle. Just once again, it's tying back to more of the investment portion, but also the side hustle kind of economy that's going on. That's super popular. I would say most people don't have a single source of income. Mm -hmm. Talking about other ways that you're actually able to generate value, store value. Again, plug Bitcoin there. I would say some, those are the discussions I generally will have. But it's, it, again, it's just totally based on the person. If it's a young person versus an older person, it's always going to be different. Hold back all of your desires to spew all these amazing things about Bitcoin. Take a breath and try to understand that one of these angles are going to come up. You can drop little questions and let them come to you to keep asking questions, right? It's the hardest thing to do especially as a new salesperson, you just learned about this awesome new product that you can sell and you want to go tell everybody about it. You really have to hold that back and only provide the things that people need or want to hear. And that's ultimately what's going to get them bought in, right? Yeah. There's an old adage in the sales world. You have one mouth and two ears, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> it's, it's very difficult, especially to someone who's taken the orange pill and has that fire in their belly. And one of the lessons I learned the hard way over many years is that persuasion is not the same as education. They're very close when they're done right and they're done with integrity and authenticity. So I want to be very careful that people don't hear that the wrong way. Mm -hmm. But with orange pilling, what you're trying to do is create momentum and interest and curiosity and hope, right? That's Absolutely. not the same as understanding the 40-year history of cryptography and the intricacies of the fractional reserve banking system and how central bank digital currencies are going to lead to a dystopian nightmare. Like, it's not about... It's not about transferring everything you have in your head into their head and then hoping that they get excited for the same reasons that you got excited, right? 100%. So, so much of that listening is about just gauging their mix of 
caution and enthusiasm. Like, where are they sitting on that spectrum right now? And if it's getting too close to the caution area, ask another question, dial it back. It's really a, it's really a dance. And I, I think this is all good communication, all good conversation follows this, this pattern of engagement and of concern for the interest and enjoyment of, of the other person, right? I want to, I want to get into a couple tactics. Maybe that's not the right word, but one of the, one of the things I've had a fair amount of success with is the analogy of money as a melting ice cube. That's just a very powerful visual for people that they can relate to very quickly. And when I say it, as one of the things I noticed a while ago is that my money is, it's basically like a melting block of ice, right? It loses a certain amount of value every year. If I were to measure my bank account in gallons of milk, the number might stay the same, but I'm getting fewer gallons of milk every year. And that feels wrong to me. Mm -hmm. And then they sit there and go, huh, I never thought of it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, man. And then it clicks for them. Are there other tools or like analogies, turns of phrase, really key questions you've used that you've gotten a lot of mileage out of that you feel flips the switch to a certain degree for a lot of people? Yeah. Honestly, one of my favorite things, I can't remember exactly where I heard it in the first place, but it was you're measuring your net worth in these dollars, right? You've got a number in your bank account. And it seems to stay the same, right? So how is it melting exactly? And I think a great way to, to picture that is if your bank account, instead of showing you you have $10,000, what if it showed a percentage of the money supply that you hold, right? That would be a pretty shocking number to see. You have 10,000 of 30, whatever trillion uh, number it is of M2 money supply. That's something that I think would, and it does help change the perspective. People start to think, and I've, I've made a video about this. I've had people ask me questions about it because it really does help change that thinking from if you're measuring in just the US dollar system, it's really hard to see outside of it. So when you talk about these Bitcoin concepts, they're like, I just don't get it because they're, they're thinking in this framework. So you really have to get them to step outside of that and think, huh, yeah, I, I do still have 10,000, but now there's more money out there. So I do actually have a, a lesser amount. So thinking in terms of percentage of money supply, I think helps a lot mm. uh, to convey that melting ice cube message. And just to turn it again to real world situations, my, I'm lucky enough to have bought a house a few years ago, but I have friends looking to purchase their first home right now. And they started saving up a few years ago. And that goalpost just keeps getting pushed farther mm. and farther away so you can have that discussion do you understand why that is our house is really that much more valuable it's the same house it was a few years ago right sure there may be a few more people but i don't think demand has really changed for homes all that much it's really around that money supply conversation you can have once again start 
providing education as to why things like real estate start going up in price. It's not because there's not enough homes. There, there are some shortages and things that happen that during the pandemic and whatnot. But ultimately, it comes down to when there's all this easy money out there, everybody's capturing assets because that's what's limited, not the money. Really thinking about taking those analogies and applying it to, to real world applications, I think is invaluable. I love the melting ice cube. I use that a lot. I would say just take that and find a real world application that applies to the person is going to make it you know, that much more impactful. Yeah, that's a great analogy. One of the one of the directions I've been playing with lately when talking to people about this is how frustrated I am. Say how frustrating it is, but I tend to phrase it as how frustrated I am by the complexity of trying to build up a nest egg. Like you can't save it in the bank. You can't just hold cash in a bank account. That's not going to get you anywhere. There's no savings accounts that are going to do anything meaningful for you. The banks aren't offering any real savings products. You can get the platinum 0.5% interest rate. That's the best they're going to give you. Mm. And so what do you have to do? Like you have to go out and gamble in the stock market and figure out how to measure price to equity ratios and pick the next like what the or you have to buy a house and Mm -hmm. become a rental property manager or or you got to move your family to a place because the thing that you live in which you're constantly spending your weekends trying to fix Mm -hmm. is your nest egg as well and that is to save up for later in life is like an extra job or two itself. And there's something effed up about that. It feels incredibly unfair. And to sort of state the problem in that way, I usually get a lot of nodding heads. And that sort of opens the floodgates. I'm like, yes, here's the thing that's pissing me off about my mortgage right now. Or I have no idea what's in my 401k. I just signed up for the medium aggression risk tolerance plan, but I don't know what's in it. And And that usually gets the conversation rolling. And then you can, I think this is a classic tactic is you you don't want to talk about the solution until the end, right? You get them nodding their head about a problem, a real problem and its frustrations. And if there was a way to solve that problem, would you be interested? I probably wouldn't phrase it that way. That's a little (laughs) boiler room, but that's the essence of what you're leading towards. It's like, I was pissed off about this for a long time until I found this thing called Bitcoin. What, is, what are some of the most common objections that you hear and how do you respond to them? Oh, man. They come in all, all sorts of shapes and sizes. I would say most common is, I don't understand it. Too complex. Totally fine. Bitcoin is it's everything we don't understand about money. It's everything we don't understand about computers. It's it is a large subject. It's one of my favorite quotes. That's a good. That's a good. Remember who who said that? But um, I always like to respond to that with: You use dollars every day. You use a credit card every day. Do you know how the U.S. dollar works? Do you understand the banking system? No. Right. Yet it's something you use every single day, multiple times a day. Right. It's not that, 
you need to understand blockchain technology to understand Bitcoin. You don't need to be a software developer. You don't need to know every single thing to understand that it's something that you can store value with and whatever your value point is. I totally agree with sparking some emotions with questions and it'll help you lead to that fact. But that I would say that's the most common. There's also scams, right? FTX, mm. my cousin, my uncle, my aunt invested in Bitcoin crypto. They lost everything. And those are tough discussions to have. I try to be super sensitive because loss of life savings or someone's home, like it's terrible. So I don't want to say something snarky to be like, oh, you should have done this or, oh, you shouldn't have done that. It's more of trying to understand the situation, like totally get that. That sucks. It happens all the time, unfortunately, especially in a new space, but scams happen all the time and in the US dollar as well. So it's definitely not something that should prevent you from looking at Bitcoin, no matter how painful it can be. But just reinforcing that, hey, you're their Bitcoin guy. They have someone they can turn to anytime they have questions and they should come to you uh, before making any decisions like, should I put my money on Celsius or FTX, right? You would hope you have the opportunity to have those discussions before someone does something like that. But that's a really common one and a, probably the most difficult to overcome, in my opinion. When someone's experienced a financial loss, it is very hard to turn them over from that. I don't know if you have any ideas there, but that's probably the biggest one I struggle with. Let's hope that the Orange Pill Academy can generate some effective <laughs> tactics for handling that throughout this process. That's a big one. I think it's on everyone's mind right now with the FTX trial going on and certainly still being at what I'm hoping is the tail end of the bear market, what feels like the tail end of the bear market. Mm. But it's been arguably the longest bear market in history. I think one, one of the lessons that I've learned around that is that you, you should never lead by denigrating shitcoins. Because you never know if the person you're talking with lost it all on Dogecoin. And now what you've just done is effectively called him an idiot. And then you're going to try and talk to him about Bitcoin. Or they made a ton of money and then you look like the idiot. <laughs> There's that. I've had that happen. Really? Okay. <laughs> so all the more reason to listen twice as much as you talk, start by asking questions and building rapport, finding out where people are coming from, what's on their mind, what they care about, what they're interested in, what they're afraid of, and then design your approach based on that. Are there, so last question, are there any what are some good like incremental next steps? Because I think if you're thinking about orange pilling as a series of conversations that happens, that unfolds over time with someone, the ideal goal is to help somebody have the courage to do something after the conversation. What are some of the next steps that you tend to recommend? Yeah, I think the easiest thing is just be that, be that Bitcoin guy or gal. Right. Mm -hmm. Share information and, and truth and knowledge around Bitcoin, whether it's just little things you say in conversation. Social media is super easy. Like I said, you don't have to create anything, just share it. 
right? There's plenty of great Bitcoin content creators out there. If it resonates with you, it might resonate with someone. So just share it across different social media platforms. Don't barrage people. That's the biggest thing. I know you're excited. You want to share Bitcoin with the world. Don't do it. There's proof of work, right? It takes time and effort. And the only thing more scarce than Bitcoin is our time, right? We all have limited time. So you should focus that energy where it's going to matter most instead of just pray and spray. Spend time with the people that come to you asking questions, especially when you've been in Bitcoin a while, you're going to get exhausted. So it's only valuable to you to provide your scarce time to those that truly need it right then and there, right? They're ready to ask about Bitcoin. They're ready to learn. They're willing to put in the work and effort. Those are the only people you should spend time with. Outside of if your friend's a degen crypto gambler, then maybe you can harp on him a bit more. I've definitely had friends like that. I've been able to orange pill them. I always recommend friends that dabble in shitcoins, spend time with them. Really push on them because those are the people that already understand they want to get out of this existing system. Maybe it's just from a greed standpoint, but I guarantee there's other reasons they're doing this. Try to ask those questions and figure out why are you trying to make money for retirement? Are you trying to buy a house? And boom, like all those conversations that we talked about spur from theirs. People that are already into crypto are prime, prime folks to have these conversations with. When you're just at a Thanksgiving dinner or at a barbecue, just spewing Bitcoin at people is not, it's not going to work. As long as they know, the discussion will come to you and you'll know that's where you should spend your time. Awesome. I think that's a good place to end it for now, Alec. This is a great conversation. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and helping Bitcoiners make more Bitcoiners. Cheers. Absolutely. Thanks. Thus ends the inaugural episode of the Orange Pill Academy. What are some of your biggest takeaways? Which ideas will you be taking for a test drive in your next conversation? If you want to connect with Alec, you can follow him on Twitter at Alec underscore Bitcoin. That's A-L-E-C underscore Bitcoin. Or email him at Alec at SwanBitcoin.com. Also, be sure to check out his TILBTC content, which you can find on Twitter at til BTC. If you want to hear more conversations with the experts of Orange Pill Administration, I encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Orange Pill A. I'll soon be releasing a beta version of the Orange Pill Playbook on OrangePillAcademy.com, which you can use to bolster your orange pilling skills. Hopefully it's there by the time you're listening to this, but if not, check back soon and I thank you for your patience. Thank you for sharing your time and attention with the Orange Pill Academy. If you found this valuable, please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating if you feel we've earned it. And tell your friends about us. Together, we can help Bitcoiners create more Bitcoiners and accelerate our journey toward a bright orange future. <laughs>